Welcome to Beside the Burn for Monday the 26th of July 2021. We're continuing our theories, series of meals with Jesus and today and the rest of this week we're going to be looking at the encounter of Jesus at Simon's house, not only with Simon the Pharisee but also with the sinful woman who arrived at the house as well. And in this series we're trying to find out what it means uh, to meet with Jesus and to, to be transformed by Jesus. One of the things that we haven't been able to do much over this past year and a half with COVID restrictions is to eat with people and yet that's one of the most basic things that we can do is to sit down, have a meal, have a chat, get to know people as we eat. And a meal is a great uh, situation for doing that because there's eating involved so there's something that you're doing even if the conversation uh, lags a little bit that there's something to be doing until it starts back up again there are no awkward silences and so it's a great way to get to know other people and to talk about things in a relaxed atmosphere and what we're finding with each one of these meals is that we're meeting with Jesus just as the original people did and on this occasion it's Simon the Pharisee And it's also this woman that turns up as well. So let's look and see what we can learn from this meal with Jesus. And we're Luke 7, verse 36 to 50 this week. But today we're just going to look at verses 36 and 37. So Luke in the gospel has already introduced us to the Pharisees on a number of occasions. And the Pharisees are high status, influential leaders in Israel. They are the ones that people would look up to. They were the leaders that appeared to be holy, that appeared to have everything sorted with uh, regards to God. And as a lowly follower of God, you would see the Pharisee as something impossible to attain. You would look at their life and realise that that's the life you need it to be living. And yet at every stage it would be impossible to reach those heights. And the Pharisees love to be in that position. They love to lord it over people. They love to set an example that nobody else could reach. Because then they were looked up to. And therefore they were the ones that were setting the agenda. So... The Pharisees would have had a rigorous interpretation of the law. And each time that they meet with Jesus, there seems to be opposition because they want to interpret God's law one way and yet Jesus is living it out a very different way. And what we see here is that when one of the Pharisees, and this Pharisee will later find out is actually Simon, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So the Pharisee has invited Jesus. Now, this is strange that Simon would invite someone like Jesus. Why would he do that? Because Jesus is being referred to as a glutton and a drunkard. Why as a Pharisee would you want someone like that into your house? Well, the only reason can be that Simon is curious. Simon realises that there is something that's going on here with Jesus. And perhaps even the way that Jesus talks to Simon and they interact together would show that there's something going on in Simon's life that Jesus is interested in. He doesn't condemn Simon, but he tries to give Simon an example that will allow him to come to the conclusion that he needs forgiveness much more than this woman will need forgiveness. So the invitation is put out and Jesus um, went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So Jesus went to eat with the Pharisee. He didn't mind what others thought of him. Um, Many people, I suppose, would be delighted to go to a Pharisee's house And to have a dinner invitation, that would be a a great uh, sign that you were being accepted in society. But as we'll find out later on, perhaps Simon's invitation is tainted a little bit. He wants to find out more about Jesus. He's curious about what Jesus is teaching and what he's saying. 
But at the same time, he realizes that there have been clashes in the past and that Jesus is dangerous. So he almost tries to keep Jesus at arm's length. Come to my house and we'll eat. But whenever he gets there, he's almost influenced by his pharisaical friends a little bit. And he keeps Jesus at arm's length. He doesn't provide all the normal courtesies for him. Instead of And the problem in this situation is he doesn't wash his feet. He doesn't make him feel welcome the way that he should. And it's the sinful woman that comes in and does that. And Simon is sort of saying, come into my house, but stay at a distance. You're, You're not really as good as the rest of us. But Jesus didn't mind. He went there and he he wanted to, to find out more. And um, it, Jesus went and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, Luke describes this woman as having lived a sinful life. We're not told what the sin actually is. But there is so much that's implied in this statement. And it would seem to be that Luke is saying, look, here's a woman and everybody knows who she is. Everybody knows what she's done. Everyone knows the sins that she's committed. And Luke is basically telling us, look, this really is a bad woman. This is not the sort of woman that you're going to invite into your house. And if Jesus is invited into the house, then this woman is certainly not invited in by Simon. We're not told her sin, but I suppose that's really quite irrelevant. The fact is she was sinful. She was known as being sinful and nobody wanted to associate with her. And the parable that uh, Jesus tells, uh, uh, the, the parable to come helps us see that the, the sin really is irrelevant, that it doesn't matter what the sin is. Jesus is able to deal with it and Jesus is able uh, to forgive that sin. She brings this alabaster jar of perfume and we're not told uh, what the cost of the perfume is. But it would seem that she came to the house with the specific purpose of doing what she did. It's not just as if she was just wandering past and realised what was happening. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she went and she got her perfume and she brought it to the house. It was premeditated. And what we find here is that in these situations, in the ancient world, they were lived out in public rather than in private. If we invite someone to our house for a meal, it's usually in private. We bring them in, we close the doors, nobody else is watching. But the house here, the people would have ate in the courtyard and the courtyard would have been open for people to walk past and to see who was dining, to see who was reclining at the table. Maybe even people in the like of a Pharisee's house would have walked past and stopped a little bit to listen to the conversation. See if they could learn anything from these learned people who were discussing things. So all the doors would be open. People would wander in off the street. If there was any entertainment being provided, it was public. And so this is how the woman is able to get in. There's an open courtyard. Jesus is reclining at the table, so his feet are behind him. Uh, And the woman comes in then uh, and sits down at his feet. And as we'll find out, she begins uh, to cry and to uh, wash his feet and dry his feet uh, and, and so on. Because it doesn't say here that she entered the house. She just came with this jar of perfume. So it's quite possible that it was in the the courtyard. And for the Pharisee, for Simon, all this meal has been planned and it's all under his control. He has decided the guests, he has decided the agenda. But now the tables are slowly being turned on Simon. This woman has appeared who hasn't been invited Jesus, who Simon has invited, is now turning the narrative of the story around and it's Jesus' agenda and not Simon's anymore. Jesus is the one asking the questions and giving the answers. 
and suddenly things are starting to get out of control. And what seemed like a good idea to Simon at the time is now starting to become a problem for him. So the rest of this week, we're going to look at this meal together and and find out uh, what we can learn uh, about all that's happening here. So let's bow and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these meals with Jesus. And meals have been one of the things that we've missed a lot over this past year, of just sitting with friends and talking and chatting. And Lord, as we see Simon and the sinful woman and the interaction with Jesus, we realise that you are a God who forgives, a God who loves and a God who cares. And so therefore, Lord, we come to you this day and we ask that you would reveal yourself to us in a clear way, that we would know, Lord, the power of your forgiveness. And that, Lord, we wouldn't try to keep you to ourselves, but that we would share you with others and tell others about you. Help us, Lord, not to be self-righteous like Simon, but help us to come and bow humbly at your feet like the sinful woman and admit our sin and receive forgiveness. For, Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Beside the Burn. It's Tuesday the 27th of July and we're continuing our thoughts this week on meals with Jesus and on the occasion when Jesus was invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee. So far we've discovered that whenever somebody's invited to a home for a meal uh, in this particular time scale, it's very different from what we have nowadays. The public are able to walk past, they're able to see the meal, they're able to drop in and listen to the conversation and the entertainment that's available. And therefore we've got this situation where the sinful woman arrives on the scene and comes into the courtyard where they are having the meal. And the The situation of the meal is that the participants are reclining at a table. Therefore, uh, they are propped up at the table as they eat and their feet are out behind them. And therefore, the woman is able to come and um, sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, that very phrase, I suppose, has connotations that you would sit at the feet of a rabbi. You would learn from the rabbi. You would be there um, admitting that the rabbi has a seri- uh, the, the, the better position, uh, the superior position. And therefore you would come and you would humble yourself to sit at the feet. And we've got all of that going on as well as the actual act of washing the feet and uh, showing respect to Jesus in this way. So let's read together. Uh, we are in... Um, Luke uh, chapter 7 and we're reading today from just verses 38 and 39. So as she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Now we've got a a strange relationship with this story because we've heard it so many times before. It sounds like a beautiful story where a woman comes in and she washes Jesus' feet with her tears and dries them with her hair. But let's try and put ourselves back into the position as this story is unfolding. This is a scandal that a woman would approach a man in this way and do this. This makes no sense whatsoever. And Simon the Pharisee has invited Jesus into his home and now this is happening to Jesus. This would have been an insult to Simon as well. And yet, as we'll see later on this week, it was Simon's fault that this was happening because although Simon had invited Jesus into his home, he was still being a bit standoffish and he hadn't offered to wash Jesus' feet, which was the common courtesy of the day. A visitor came to your feet or came to your house that the servants should be told to wash their feet and make them ready for the meal. But this hadn't happened. And I wonder had that not happened because Simon was trying to say to Jesus, okay, you can come to the meal, we'll talk to you, 
will investigate you, but don't think for one moment that you've made it into our circle. We have great reservations about the way that you're living and the teaching you're giving, and therefore we don't endorse it. So it would be like somebody uh, who has a different political opinion to you being invited into your political meeting, but you would keep them uh, off to the side and you would say to them, right, you can sit there, you can listen, but you're not to say a word and you're not to take part in this. So the woman comes in and um, she stood behind Jesus as he's reclining at the table and she is weeping. And we've got to ask ourselves, why is she weeping? What is it that is causing her uh, to burst into tears at the table with Jesus? Maybe it's repentance. Maybe she has realised how sinful she is. Maybe she's realised where her life has taken her. And she realises that things have to change. And as she sees Jesus, she sees hope. And therefore she begins to cry uh, because she is repenting of her sin. Maybe she's coming and she's weeping out of thanksgiving. She realises that Jesus can do something about her sin, that Jesus can forgive her and therefore her burden has been lifted and she is rejoicing at what Jesus has done and she's thanking him. Maybe that's prompting the tears. Maybe she's crying out of relief that finally here is somebody who sees past the sin and offers her hope for the future because so far in her life, this has been all that she's known as sin and people turning away from her. And we've got this idea of weeping and then we've also got the idea of her kissing his feet. And these two things are ongoing. If we look at the original languages, uh, the tenses here mean that she's weeping and kissing and weeping and kissing. And it's going on and on. She is uh, keeping at this action. She did not stop. It's not as if she just came in and quickly wet his feet and then kissed him and that was it done. This was ongoing. Now, as she does this, she doesn't have a towel uh, to either wipe away the dirt or to dry the feet. So she wiped them with her hair. And to do that, she would have had to have let her hair down. And again, this is a scandalous situation because the only person that's supposed to see your hair down is your husband in this particular state. So to bring your hair down in public is a is an act of abandonment and it's not the dumb thing and for Simon to look at the sinful woman and then for the sinful woman to let her hair down in his house at the feet of Jesus this is more than Simon can cope with and in the act of wiping and kissing and weeping she then pours the perfume on his feet and the, the perfume that she has brought with her is there uh, for Jesus' feet. And again, we've got to realise that uh, this whole act of washing the feet uh, was something that a servant should have been doing. And yet here's this woman doing what Simon overlooked. In Psalm 110 verse 1, the ultimate insult that you can give to an enemy is to make them a footstool. And that's what this woman is doing. She, she's becoming a footstool for Jesus and she is taking care of his feet. So this is insulting to her. She is putting herself in a position where she's saying, I am nothing. I know my sin. I know the problem that I'm in. And here is Jesus and I'm giving all the honour to him. And this woman's reputation makes her undesirable. She's undesirable to meet in, in public. She's certainly undesirable to be in the house of a Pharisee. And also you remember to do with feet that John the Baptist said that he was unworthy to even untie a sandal of the feet of Jesus. And this woman is unworthy. And yet she gives the greatest honour to Jesus in what she does. And such are the actions that she performs here that they're mentioned six times in this passage. It's not just overlooked, but they're mentioned again and again and again because it is so significant. 
Maybe even makes us think of Isaiah 52 uh, and verse 7 where we're told how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says your God reigns. And here she is showing that this is the messenger of God who is coming with salvation and she is saying that his feet are beautiful and his feet should be honoured because of that. And then think also at the end of Matthew, after Jesus has died on the cross and rises again, whenever he meets the woman and they see that he is risen, they clasp his feet. They acknowledge him as their saviour and that he is risen and they clasp his feet to show that they are submitting to him and saying that he is the king. So there's so much going on here in this simple little act that this woman is doing. And in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, this is Simon, when he saw all that was taking place, he says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Simon thinks, ha ha, we've got him now. He says he's a prophet and yet look at him. He's quite happy for the sinful woman to be touching him. If he was a prophet, he would be able to look at this woman and see who she is and know who she is and he would have no excuse. So this just proves that he's a charlatan. This just proves that he hasn't a clue what's going on. And a woman like this shouldn't be touching Jesus, according to Simon. And as we'll see, the interesting thing is that Jesus is the prophet. Jesus knows exactly who this woman is. He knows all about her. And yet he still allows her to touch him. And he is quite happy to offer her forgiveness for her sin because she's repented of that sin. She's a sinner, but she needs Jesus. And Jesus recognises that. So he is a prophet. Even though Simon thinks this proves he isn't, it actually proves that he is. So let's come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, as this woman came and wept because of her sin, So, Lord, we realise that we need to come weeping because of our sin and what we have done to you. And, Lord, we recognise that whenever we weep in your presence because of our sin, you offer us forgiveness. And we thank you and praise you for that. Help us, Lord, to realise that because of who you are, our sin can be dealt with. And help us, Lord, to rejoice in that. But help us also to see, Lord, that others can come to you and find forgiveness. Help us never to condemn another sinner, but instead help us to point to your grace and your mercy and the hope that you can bring. For, Lord, we recognise that forgiveness of sin is the greatest gift that can be ever given, and it is needed by each one of us. So we come to you today and rejoice in your presence and weep for what we have done to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Beside the Burn for Wednesday the 28th of July. We're drawing near the end of another month, but we're continuing halfway through our series of studies on uh, Jesus and, and meals with Jesus in Simon's house. And we've been thinking about all those meals that we've missed with friends and with um, acquaintances over this past pandemic year. And here we're looking at how Jesus meets and people with people and eats with them and how that breaks down barriers and how Jesus is able uh, to teach and able to bring the good news of the gospel. This week in Simon's house, uh, Jesus has been eating at Simon's table, but the woman has arrived, the sinful woman. And we can almost hear the dramatic music as she appears in the scene and starts to do the unthinkable in the middle of a meal, washing Jesus' feet 
with her tears and drying them with her hair. We've just had that little uh, section at, in verse uh, 39 where Simon has said to himself, if this man knew who it was uh, that was touching him, uh, if he was a prophet, he would know who it was and he would know what kind of woman she was and he would know that she was a sinner. And Simon has been saying this to himself, but now Jesus approaches and Jesus begins to talk to Simon based on what Simon has just been saying to himself. So in a way, I'm sure Simon was taken aback by what Jesus said, thinking to himself, well, how does Jesus know what I've been saying to myself? And then Jesus has a lot to say to him. So let's look together at verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And you can almost see what's going on in Simon's mind here. He's just been thinking to himself, this man's a, not a prophet. If he, if he was a prophet, he'd know what this woman was and, and what she was doing and wouldn't let her touch him. And Jesus immediately proves to Simon that he is a prophet because he responds to what Simon has been thinking. Not what Simon has been saying to his friends, but what he's been thinking. So Jesus says, look at this, Simon. I'm a prophet. I know your thoughts. And now I'm going to tell you something based on those thoughts. Now, at this stage, Simon doesn't actually realise that Jesus has been listening into his thoughts. Doesn't realise that there's anything strange coming here. Uh, and so Jesus says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon almost, you can see his chest bursting with pride now. Oh, here, this teacher is going to speak directly to me. He's got a message directly for me. And he says with that pride, tell me, teacher, I want to hear this. I, I want to hear it. Maybe speak a bit louder so everyone else can hear the special message that you've got for me. And it appears that Simon is looking forward to this statement. He thinks he's in a privileged position. And Jesus here offers his wisdom to Simon, but he waits for Simon to invite it. He knows this isn't going to be palatable. He knows that Simon isn't going to like what he's going to say. So Jesus just waits for Simon to take the initiative and to say, well, look, tell me, teacher, I want to hear it. And, and then Jesus has got this position to say, well, look, Simon, you asked me to tell you, so, you know. What else can we do here? What else can we say? Uh, I have to tell you the truth. And then we go in verses 41 and 42. Jesus tells a parable. And parables are so important to Jesus' teaching. And Jesus can say so much in a parable. This is such a short parable. It's only a couple of verses long. And yet Jesus gets so much across in this simple story. Now, Jesus doesn't begin by immediately condemning Simon and pointing the finger at him for being a self-righteous bigot, as it were. But like the prophet Nathan does with King David whenever he's been caught in adultery, he leads Simon to a place of self-awareness. He tells the parable and then puts Simon into the parable. Simon, as he hears the parable, can understand it perfectly because he's distant from it. He's looking at it from the outside. But then Jesus changes it to insert Simon into the story. And then as he makes his decision, he realizes that he's been caught. And parables have that power because they're indirect. They can cut much deeper than a direct rebuke can. And so the parable is told. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So one of them is 10 times more in debt than the other. They're both in debt. They both owe money. They probably both can't pay back that money. But one is 10 times more in debt than the other. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. 
so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? There is the question. The person who has lent the money forgives, graciously forgives. He, the, the literal translation is here that this forgave, he graced them. He applied his grace to them and cancelled their debts. And there's a lesson of salvation here. And of course, Jesus is telling the parable to lead on to salvation for Simon and for the woman. And the debt is cancelled because neither of them can repay the debt. It's ringing bells with our salvation, isn't it? That we can't pay the price for our sin, but we have been forgiven. And then the question is asked, who will love him more? Who will be more grateful, as it were, for the forgiveness? But also, as Jesus inserts Simon into this story, the question is, who is who in the parable? Which one of the two debtors is Simon and which one is the woman? Simon will consider himself to be the one who owed 50 and he'll consider the woman to be the one who owed 500 denarii. He'll think that he has been forgiven less. But could it be that he is the one who owes much more and has been forgiven much more? And that's the dilemma that Simon is in and he needs to, to look at carefully. So he begins to answer the question in verse 43. Simon replied, I suppose. And he begins here with a very cautious answer. He doesn't want to make any statements. He, he probably realises that there's an ambush here, that he's being led into well, he's almost being led into a trap because whatever he says, he's probably going to end up condemning himself. But whenever Simon says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, Jesus commands Simon. He doesn't condemn him, he commands him. He says, you have judged correctly. Well done, Simon. You've got it right. You've seen to the heart of the problem and you know what the situation is. It's a very short parable, but very powerful because of the context. We've got this restrained Pharisee and this emotional woman. And as Jesus commands Simon, Simon is left with this dilemma. Well, which one am I? I thought I was good. I thought I hadn't sinned very much. I thought I wouldn't need to be forgiven. This woman obviously has sinned a lot and she needs to be forgiven a lot. So therefore, she's probably more grateful. But I wonder, is it me that sinned more? I wonder, have I misjudged people all my life? Have I condemned people all my life? Have I not come to the Saviour for forgiveness? And this woman that has lived this terrible life has got it right? Hmm, Simon thinks to himself, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot that I need to think about. This parable has cut to the heart of Simon. And Simon the Pharisee, who was self-righteous and thought everything was going well, now is left with this dilemma. So let's come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. But Lord, we recognise that your word is dangerous and difficult for us at times and often cuts right to the heart of the matter and cuts us in two, Lord. Forgive us, we pray, for our sin. Help us to understand, Lord, how much we've sinned and indeed in the ways that we have sinned. Lord, we find it much easier to spot sin in others rather than ourselves. So, Lord, expose our sin to us. Help us to see it and help us, Lord, to seek your forgiveness. Help us, Lord, to weep over our tears, over our sin so that there might be tears of repentance 
as we realise all that you have done and who you are. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Beside the Burn for Thursday the 29th of July 2021. We're continuing looking at the meals that are eaten with Jesus and we're at Simon the Pharisee's house. And we have this incredible encounter with a sinful woman who almost gate crashes the party, comes in where Simon does not want her to be and begins to wash Jesus' feet. And in response to all of this, Jesus has just told a parable, a short little parable about two people who are forgiven their debts, one with uh, 500 denarii, one with 50, one of them 10 times what the other one has uh, owed, and yet both debts are cancelled. And Jesus has asked Simon the question, who uh, loves more, and I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says, you've judged correctly. So now comes the switcheroo, as it were. This is a, it's not a very theological term, a switcheroo, but this is where Jesus turns things around to help us see the spiritual significance of what has taken place and to help Simon see what he needs to do, but more than that, to help us see what we need to do. It's easy in this parable to see the woman, and because she's been highlighted as being sinful, we know that she needs forgiveness. But we've got to see ourselves in this parable and see that we need forgiveness. So, let's read verse 44 then jesus turned toward the woman and said to simon so simon's there at his side they've just had this conversation about the parable and now jesus looks over to the woman and says to simon do you see this woman now that's a simple question for simon to answer there's nothing complicated about it do you see her yeah i see her and Simon again is given a question. He answers the question, and Jesus doesn't commend them this time for the question or for the answer, but it's clear that he's got it right. Do you see her? Yes, I see her. Of course, he has seen her, but the problem is Simon has not truly seen her. He's seen the sin, he's seen the issues, he's seen the undesirability of a woman. But he hasn't seen the woman. He hasn't seen her heart. He hasn't seen her need of forgiveness. He hasn't seen her need of grace. And sometimes in the church, this is where we get ourselves into problems. We look at people with sin and we want to condemn. But we don't look into their heart and see that they need forgiveness and that they need grace and mercy. They don't need their sin um, accept it. They don't need a pat on the back and say, oh, carry on doing what you're doing, you're fine, Jesus loves you. No, they do need to be told that sin is a problem, but they need to be shown grace and love and shown that there is a position and a way out of this. So Simon needs to work out the implications of this unmerited grace that is being shown here. He needs to work out the implications of forgiveness and, and how that fits into our lives. But Jesus doesn't give him much time to think about it. Jesus begins to move on. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. So Jesus looks at the woman and he's not condemning her anymore. He's pointing to Simon and saying, do you realise all this happened because you didn't do what you were supposed to do? She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. So these are the very basic things that you didn't do, Simon. You didn't get one of your servants to wash my feet. So she came along and did it. You see, to offer water is a basic courtesy. Hospitality is not just for family and friends, but it's how you receive strangers and turn them into guests. 
Simon had invited the stranger Jesus, but he wanted him to remain a stranger. He didn't want him to become an intimate guest in his house. The host was to protect the guest, even if they disagreed with each other. They were still to show concerns for needs. And yet Simon had almost put up a barrier. Come in, Jesus, but stay there. Come in, Jesus, but I'm not going to wash your feet. And that's where we get into so many problems in today's world, where whenever we disagree, we put up barriers rather than trying to understand. So the stranger that comes into our home never leaves as they arrive. They arrive as a stranger But then, depending on what happens in the home, they either become an enemy who then goes on to seek revenge or they become a friend who sings our praises. But the stranger never leaves as a stranger. They either leave as an enemy or a friend. Now, why did Simon reject Jesus? Why did he neglect Jesus in this way? Well, we've already thought about that a few times. I wonder, was it contempt for Jesus? Um, Sinners can find forgiveness, but not Pharisees. This is like uh, failing to to take a coat uh, of a guest who arrives or failing to offer them a seat to sit down. This is how stark this is, that the feet were not washed. And Jesus breaches etiquette, as it were, by pointing out the feelings of the host. And the woman takes over the role that should have been the host's role. You see, if we go on to read verse 45 and and 46, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. The woman takes over the role that should have been Simon the host. And note that this isn't a case of, look at this woman, she did what you didn't do. No, Jesus is saying, look at this woman, she did more than you didn't do. If you had carried out your side of the bargain, you would have done the basics. But this woman has done much, much more than the basics. She did more than you didn't do. And Jesus is trying to break through Simon's armour, to get through to him, to help him to realise what has happened here and why it's so wrong. And so there is so much going on. And Jesus is trying to get Simon to see what has happened and Simon will not lower himself to it. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. That's the killer blow for Simon. Look, you have loved little. Because you've been forgiven little. Now, whether that's because Simon had little to be forgiven about or whether it's because Simon had only asked for forgiveness for very little because he thought he was good is not made clear. It's probably the latter one. But the washing of the feet is seen here by Jesus as an act of repentance. And therefore Jesus forgives her. Now she's not forgiven because she treated Jesus better than the Pharisee has treated him. She treats Jesus better because she knows that it's through him that she will be forgiven. And she shows great love and great gratitude here. She has been forgiven and she cannot help but rejoice and worship Jesus because of that. And in her act of devotion, she washes his feet in a way that Simon never could. We need to realise how much we've been forgiven. We need to realise how much we have sinned. We might consider ourselves to be reasonably good and only forgiven a little. 
Well, that will color the way that we worship Jesus and the way that we follow him. We need to realize that whatever sin we have committed, it cost Jesus his life. He went to the cross and took our sin with him to the cross. He suffered, suffered horrendously and died for our sin. And therefore, as we come to him, we don't just thank him a little. We thank him with everything we have because he has already given us everything that he has. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for forgiving my sin again and again and again. Thank you for taking my punishment and suffering and dying for my sin. Thank you, Lord, for going to the cross as a substitute for me so that I did not have to die. And thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that you offer. Help me to see, Lord, just how much I have been forgiven. And therefore, Lord, I worship you and praise you this day. In Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome to Beside the Burn. It's Friday the 30th of July and as we reach the end of a month, we're also reaching the end of this week of this meal with Jesus at Simon's house with the sinful woman. And therefore, as we uh, come to the end today, uh, we see Jesus sort of bringing together everything that we've uh, heard so far in this encounter. Uh, And we see that how this meal started out with Simon having a particular agenda, probably inviting Jesus along, hoping to trip him up, hoping to uh, pick holes in him. Simon hoping uh, to show to his uh, pharisaical friends that he would be able to get the better of Jesus, be able to point out where his teaching had deficits, where there were problems with it and where it needed to be sorted out. And yet Simon now has realised that Jesus has taken control, that Jesus has turned things around, has shown Simon where he's wrong and where he needs to repent and has taken a sinful woman and elevated her uh, to the position of uh, having sins forgiven and of being the example of righteousness in the situation. In the middle of a group of Pharisees meeting for a meal, a sinful woman who just happens to turn up now is the example of righteousness. Things have not gone well for Simon here. And that's what Jesus does and that's how the kingdom of heaven works. That whenever we think we've got everything sorted out and everything plain sailing, Jesus comes along and turns things upside down and we need to be prepared for that. In fact, we need to come to Jesus day by day and say, Lord, I'm reading your word today. How will you turn my world upside down? What will you change in my world today? So let's read together uh, these last uh, few verses, 48, 49 and 50. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. It's that statement again that seems so simple. Nobody can prove one way or the other. But by saying this, Jesus is saying so much more. Yes, okay, your sins are forgiven. But he's saying, look, here's something that only God can do. And I'm doing it. He's stating to the people, look, I am God. Your sins are forgiven. And Jesus here is contradicting the generally held view of everyone that was at that meal. Everyone had labelled the woman a sinner. Simon had labelled her a sinner. Simon had said, everyone knows she's a sinner. And Jesus declares the opposite. He says, look, here is someone who is forgiven. They're no longer a sinner. Their life has been changed. And as the town had called her a sinner in verse 37, the Pharisees had called her a sinner in verse 39, now Jesus is saying she is no longer a sinner. She is forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? 
It's almost as if there's a, a, a little chorus of people watching on and they're saying, who is this who forgives sin? Only God forgives sin. Surely this man can't do this. And this is in contrast to Simon, who doesn't even think that this man is a prophet. And yet Jesus is saying, well, yeah, okay, I'm not a prophet. I'm actually God. I can forgive sin. I can understand what you are thinking in your mind, Simon. And you know what? I know who this woman is and I know what she's done. And I'm still prepared to associate with her. So the people think he is God and Simon thinks he's not even a prophet. And Luke here in this gospel is slowly bit by bit revealing to us who Jesus is and what he is doing and what he is up to. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus explains that faith has saved her. It's not her courage in coming to the meal. It's not her devotion and crying over his feet and using her hair. It's not her humility and lying at his feet. Her considerable debt has been wiped out because of her faith. Jesus has been accused already in in chapter 7 here in verse 34 as a friend of tax collectors and sinners and here Jesus is taking that title upon himself and he's saying you know what I am a friend of tax collectors and sinners that's exactly why I have come this woman isn't a welcome guest and yet Jesus accepts her forgives her and sends her away in peace we know of the woman, what, but what of Simon? We don't know how he leaves this meal. The woman is forgiven and goes in peace, but Simon, we don't know how he ends up. Will he repent? Will he see the sin in his life? Will he realise that he needs to change? We just don't know. But the woman who has repented is forgiven. And that is the wonderful part of this story. And so we need to realise and we need to think carefully about how we will leave this story. How will we leave this meal with Jesus? Will we leave with our sins forgiven in repentance? Or will we leave the way we came in with no change? Thinking to ourselves, well, I don't need to be forgiven. Everything's okay. The forgiveness is open to us today and all we need to do is simply trust and ask Jesus to take away our sin. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're the one who forgives sin. You make a statement and it comes true. Your sins are forgiven and our sins are forgiven. So Lord, today we trust in you and we come to you with all of our sin. We come, Lord, with sins that we didn't realise we'd committed, which you have exposed to us through your Holy Spirit. And we ask for your forgiveness today. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us day by day to live lives in the knowledge that you have graced us, that you have forgiven us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.